You're listening to a C3 Victory podcast. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au. A, uh, a three-week focus that I'm going to begin today, and um, Pastor Keith and I have been working on this together, which has been really great, and because um, we wanted to uh, bring us back to the reason that we're here, the reason that our church is here, the reason that you, are not, you and I exist on planet Earth. Uh, and they're also the, the, one of the things that God has spoken to us as a church about together, the reason that we're here. Um, and it, we're here not to just, you know, play church or to, um, you know, to, you know, go off on tangents. And yeah, we're here to have a lot of fun in the process, but we're here actually to do a couple of primary things that, the, that God has spoken to us about. So that's a long way of me saying this, um, that God's, God's given us two things to really focus on in our vision as to the why of why we're here. Uh, and the first one is to impact our city and beyond for the kingdom of God. And the second one is to be intentional about making disciples that make disciples, all right? To, to, to make disciples that make disciples, Okay. So we're going to kind of explore this thing called making disciples uh, over the next few weeks. This is going to become our focus because in Matthew chapter 28, and I'm going over there now, it'll also be on screen as well. Do you have, there it is, perfect. Uh, It says, Jesus said in verse 19, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you and surely I am with you always, to the, even to the end of the age. That's a different version I'm reading from the NIV. So, <coughs> this is commonly known as the Great Commission. So, we want to talk about our Kingdom Commission, the, the, this Kingdom Commission that God has given to His people that God has given to us as a church as well and, and highlighted this to us and said, I want you, in, in everything that you do, I want you to make disciples. I don't want this to be a flippant thing or a side project. I want this to be the main thing that you do. I want this to be the why behind everything. I want you to make disciples. I don't just want you to see someone converted to faith. I want you to make them into a disciple, you know? And you can see the bigness of the vision of God right here is that Jesus says, go and make disciples of nations. Nations. The Bible also says, nations will come to your light. How incredible when an entire nation, we're going we're to see, and I pray this is in our lifetime, we're going to see whole nations come to Christ. Go and make disciples of all nations. That's the plan. That's the bigness of God. So we, we want to live out this commission, right? We want to live this out. We don't just want this to be like a thing that we stick on the wall and go, yep, 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 that's on the wall. 
You know, that's our vision statement or that's our mission. Yep, because it's on the wall. You know, it's not, we, we want to faithfully achieve the mandate that God has given to us as believers, as disciples, as his church. And this mandate, can I say, can I say it's way more than just fulfilling church activities and programs. It is so far beyond us just running church. Because it's what each one of us has decided to do with our lives. Jesus said this to a community, but the community is made up of individuals. He said it to his disciples as a community. Go and make disciples of all nations. This is, this is what I'm commanding you to do, he says, you know. Go and make disciples. So every one of them had to then take that commission on board. I need to make disciples. <coughs> and this is far more than just us facilitating some church activities, yeah? Absolutely. Uh, Pete McHugh, in his book, Priorities, he, uh, he wrote this. He said, churches and their leaders know they are called to make disciples. However, I wonder if it's time to articulate what a disciple should look like from God's perspective. So we're going to unpack this a little bit over the next few weeks. But um, I had, a, I had a, a chat with an old friend. I'm not sure if any of you guys remember Craig Goodread, who used to come here and used to sing and... Uh, and lead and, and play and play bass and um, he, he's on a journey right now of coming back to God and um, I'm really believing for, for him and, and we sat down over coffee, it's about six months ago and he's, he's trying to get another meeting with me and I'm like, yeah, 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 well, let's do it, let's do it and um, I'm just trying to see how hungry he really is. Um, so we sat down and we had a good chat and we're talking about God and where he's at and, and the cycle that he's on or he feels like he's on. I'm like, yeah, this is cool. And I said, you know what? Um, we've, we've, we've had a revelation that, that we don't just want to make disciples of the church anymore. We want to make disciples of Jesus. And he was like, tell me more. What does that mean? What, what does that look like? <clears throat> and um, because we used to, he said, he said to me, that's what I was. I was a disciple of the church. And I said, yeah, it, it was because that's all we knew. That's all we knew how to make. That's, that's what we were doing back in the day. We were just making disciples of the church. And God has revealed to us, well, hang on a minute, um, Pastor Pete McHugh puts it like this, if I, if I ask you to build a chair and you, and you build me a pulpit, that's going to be a lovely, I'm going to appreciate your pulpit for everything that you've done there, that's a really nice pulpit that you've made, but I actually asked you to make a chair. And so he's, what he's saying here is, maybe it's time for us to articulate what does this look like? What does a disciple of Jesus look like? Because a disciple of the church, uh, it looks okay on the outside. Because a disciple of the church is when we just say, hey, you know, you should come to church every week, you should tithe, you should be a part of a connect group, you should serve in church, you know. And, you know, some of you are going, hang on a minute, none of those things are bad, right? No, no, no. I, I encourage people to do those things all the time, you know. 
you should come to church. It's a really good thing for you. It's really good if you come to service, you know, the services that we run on a Sunday, those are really great. This is so good for you to be here. It's good for you, it's good for me that you're here, right? But if that becomes a religious duty, a religious activity that is the sum total of my relationship with God, then we've missed the boat. Because our performance for God is never going to earn us our identity. A performance for God's never going to earn you His love or His acceptance or His approval because He freely gives those things. He's already given those things to you, right? So we want to make disciples of Jesus, disciples of Jesus Christ. And that means that we are becoming more like Jesus. You know, all those things are good, but they're the result of a healthy relationship with Jesus, right? But people who look like Christ... People who are becoming like Jesus, they they are learning how to love, real love. Jesus loved people. You know, we've got this journal that's happening at the moment. I'm not sure if you've seen it around, you know, loving like Jesus. Uh, Week seven starts tomorrow, right? So if you're in week two still... uh, (laughs) then that's, that, that's cool. Don't feel pressure and don't feel bad. Just start at week seven tomorrow, okay? Because we want to do it together, all right? We want to do it together. Don't feel, oh, I've got to catch up. I've got to read all the other weeks. No, 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 no. It doesn't work like that. We're doing it together, so we're doing week seven tomorrow, starting tomorrow, okay? Yeah, I can see everyone's going, huh, huh, huh. Yeah, he's talking to me. Right, right. But because... We, we want to learn how to love people genuinely with God's love. You know what I mean? And people who are becoming, listen, move this, Joel, because I can't walk around enough. Because people who are becoming like Jesus, they don't just know more about God, they actually know God and are becoming like God. They're becoming like Jesus. And, and, and that means I'm learning how to love the person who cuts me off in traffic or my child when they are driving me up the wall. Hi, Jed. Um, good timing, good timing. So people who are becoming like Jesus, they, learn, they know how to forgive. I, I'm, I'm shocked at how many people I come into contact with in my day-to-day life who are not believers who have no idea how to forgive someone, who are increasingly bitter on the inside of them. People who look like Jesus know how to serve. They know how to extend the kingdom on earth. They know how to bring the stamp and the approval and the presence and the the, the power of the king of kings into the world. Just like Jesus. And they know how to live in this place called sonship this place of security and confidence and peace called sonship, which is our identity in Christ, that Jesus has paid for us to walk in and live in with His precious blood, right? 
So our focus is to make disciples of Jesus, not disciples of the church, even though those things that we talked about are good things to do. And you know I'm, you, you, you know I'm not against any of those things. So if we're going to make disciples of Jesus, now here's where my three points start, right? Yeah, and everyone's like, finally, he got to the first point. Good, good, good. Very good. Finally, we're here. Um, so if we're going to become, if we're going to be these disciples and we're going to make these disciples, then we need to have a few things going on. And the first thing is that we need to have a compassion for people, a compassion for others, which is just about loving what Jesus loves. And I, I've just got to say, this is our driving motivation, is compassion. It really is. You know, and I love uh, in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, it says, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. We, we, we've, we've really got to start uh, or continue or build or grow in seeing other people like Jesus sees them as helpless, as, as needing compassion, you know. So, so here's my question to you. How do you see other people? You know, when you're in your normal life, you know, you're dealing with your next-door neighbors or your work colleagues, you know, how do you see them? Are they people that you need to impress? Are they people that you need to tolerate? You know, are they people that somehow I've got to work out how I can like them or love them because they drive me up the wall? Maybe this is how you feel about your own children. Hi, Jed. <laughs> uh, uh, do, do you see them as people who are lost and annoying? Like, like, really, like if, if we are going to legitimately actually love people who are around us, we've got to move past the, geez, they're so annoying part. We've got to get to the point of they need Christ. This person fundamentally needs Jesus Christ in their life. They need the love, the identity, the favor, the presence of Jesus in their world. We have to shift our, 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 our whatever worldly perspective that, we're, that we have around other people and we have to come back to how Jesus saw people, which was compassionate. He had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep without a shepherd look terrible. They are going in all kinds of directions. They have all kinds of issues, all kinds of problems. They, don't, they lack someone to guide them, someone to care for them, someone to look after them, someone to feed them, someone to strengthen them. And that's how we've got to see people who are living and walking and breathing around us. Not as, not as a, you know, a person I've just got to overcome to get to my next thing. Not as, you know, a person I've got to tolerate, but as someone who needs the, to know and to walk with Jesus Christ themselves. Pastor Keith got a text from Pastor Phil while he was overseas and um, commending us on this journal, which is pretty cool. Pastor Phil's like, hey, I see the journal. That's awesome. You guys, that's, that's amazing. So, you know, just another plug for the journal. <clears throat> but, but that's really how, it, like, 
That's really how, because I've, I've got to work out how to get in the flow of God's love for me so that I can let God's love flow to others, okay? I can't love the unlovable people in my life just by trying harder. It's not just about me striving and doing better than I was doing before. It's, it's about me finding this flow of the Father's love for me so that I can release that love and work in that love to the people who I can't love out of my own strength. So secondly, disciples of Jesus live in obedience to Him. Someone's calling me right now. That's, that's awkward. <laughs> so we, we don't often like to talk about obedience in, uh, in, in church, do we? Ooh, obedience. That means I have to do something that someone else has told me to do. Well, Jesus told us to do some stuff and we need to do it. That's how it works, you know. Uh, Jesus himself, he lived in obedience to the Father. And it, he was so clear to us that he came not to do his own will, but he came to do the will of the Father. So a genuine follower of Jesus Christ will not exist just to do our own will. We will exist on planet Earth to, to accomplish the will of the Father. As much as we don't like to hear that. Who likes to hear that? Nope. I want to do my own thing. I'm, I want to sort out my own stuff. I want to, you know, blah, blah, blah. We, we go off on these little tangents and then we have to keep going, hang on, Father, what's your will? What are your plans? What's your purpose? There's a quote. I'm not sure who said this. There's a quote out there in quote land that says something like this. When we get to heaven, Jesus is not going to ask, what did you do? He's going to ask, did you do what I told you to do? And so one of the commands of Jesus is what we're talking about today. And that is this, go and make disciples. Each one of you, go and make disciples disciples and in verse 20 it says and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you right so I mean what do you think about when it when it says teaching them what what's what first comes to your mind you know you think in a classroom setting so when someone becomes a believer in Jesus we go okay uh we're gonna put you in some classes that's what we're gonna do we're gonna we're gonna put you in a course you're going to have to do a, a, a course, Jesus 101, or Sonship 101, or whatever it looks like. We, we want to help you. No, that might be something that we might do. We're going to stick you into some Bible studies. We're going to we're gonna, uh, connect groups, sermons. That's where, that's where the teaching happens. Okay, all those things, yeah, but there's a lot more to, to that than just sticking someone into a classroom setting and saying this is what you should believe the context of this verse here right is Jesus teaching them to be like him so a disciple is a learner disciple really just means pupil 
but it's a, it's, a, it's a learner who's becoming like the master. So Jesus isn't just saying, I want you to teach everyone some stuff in a class or in an email, you know. Just send out some emails. You'll be good. You'll be good. Start a few Facebook groups. You'll be fine. No, he's saying, I want you to teach them how to become like me. Teach them to do what I would do. Teach them to love. Teach them to serve. Teach them how to bring the kingdom of God. I mean, Jesus, Jesus has just gone to the cross. At, at this point, he's, he's, he's about to ascend back into heaven. And the disciples before the cross had this moment where Jesus washed their feet. And we talked about that a few weeks ago. Simon came and talked about that, Simon Ashley. And Jesus has washed their feet. And then he says, love one another as I have loved you. Can I imagine the disciples hearing Jesus talking about, teach them to, uh, to, to do everything that I've commanded you to do. And them going, oh man, I've got to love people like you love me. <sighs> That's awesome. Pastor Key said to me this week, he said, to be taught as a disciple is more than just knowing about him. It is to endeavor to become like him. And lastly, faith in his plan. Like this is what disciples have. We have compassion for people. We, we, we walk in obedience and we have faith that the plans of God are going to come to fulfillment. The plans of God are going to work. You know, uh, when Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, man, that's just, that's a daunting, that's a daunting concept right there. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. But hang on a minute, in the Bible, it says that the commands of Jesus are not, uh, the commands of God are not burdensome, right? And Cedric, you're just, you, you've just been talking to Beck and I about rest. So I can operate in this place of rest in my soul no matter what is going on around me. I can work in complete rest of heart while I'm making disciples of people around me. All right, so I'm going to get really, uh, really specific right now. So can we bring up that chart? There should be a chart there, Vicky. Here it is. Okay, now this is out of a book called The Making of a Disciple by a guy called Keith Phillips. And I'm going to read you a quote from this book, and it goes for a while, so st you know, stay with me, right? He says, can you imagine reaching over 4 billion people with the gospel? Okay, that was when the book was written, there were only 4 billion people on the planet. Now there are 7.5 billion people on the planet, Okay. He goes on, he says, this task of fulfilling the Great Commission seems so staggering that even visionaries might be overwhelmed and wind up doing nothing. But the Bible is a method book as well as a message book, and Christ's method is to make disciples. Christ's method is to make disciples. That's how we change the world. You know, uh, you know we've, we've just been going for 15 years, Right? I've had so many opportunities to quit and do other things than, than this. 
But I keep coming back to what God has called me to do. Just keep making disciples. Just keep, just keep loving the people that you've got. Just keep loving those that are around you. So he goes like this, right? He says, suppose on the first day uh, I led one person to Christ. Let's look at the evangelist column right here. Anyone like graphs? I like graphs. I love Microsoft Excel. I made this in Microsoft Excel and then imported it. It was awesome. Anyway, anyway, anyway. He says, subsequently, I led another individual to Christ every day for the rest of the year. By the end of the year, I would have directed 365 people to the Lord. And if I continued to do that for 33 years, I would have led to the Lord 12,045 people. A pretty, good, a pretty good effort, right? If in 32 years you've led 12,000 people to the Lord, you've done well. You've done well. On the other hand, suppose that I reached only one person for Christ that whole year. This time, however, I discipled that person for an entire year so that he or she was thoroughly grounded in the Christian faith and became capable of reaching and discipling someone else. The next year, the two of us reached one additional person and trained those two to join us in training others. You see where he's going, right? If we continued this for 32 years, or I've added another one because the population of the world is far yeah, greater than 4 billion people. If we continued that for 33 years, you would reach 8.5899 billion people. And all it means is that we start with one. Start with one, train them, love them, get into their world. So the purpose of this exercise is to see that you and I, and that this mission that we have is possible. You look, in, you look at the world today, you look at what just happened in London, you look at some of the stuff that's going on in some of the poorest nations on earth, and you wonder how God's plan can ever take place. But God's commands are not burdensome. This, I mean, if you look at it like that, this can even be achieved in our own lifetime. So we have to not just have faith in the Word of God, but have to have faith in what He's told us to do, that it's going to work. Joel, can you come up? Thanks, mate. We're going to finish in a sec. I, I don't know about you, but I, I've been reflecting on this for a few days. And it is, it is daunting to look over the world. Look how many people are, you know, not walking with God. It's daunting to look at our own city. It's daunting to look at our, sometimes it's daunting to look even across our own families, you know, our extended families and just be like, how God, how is your kingdom possible inside of this group? How, how can we expand and advance your kingdom even across our own city, let alone looking at the, 
seven and a half billion people in our world today. But Jesus said to his disciples, go. You guys, go and make disciples. I've preached on that passage a lot over the years. And the word for go there, it means as you are going. As you are living out your life, as you are walking through Woolworths and crunching numbers at work, as you are leading your families and spending time with your children, just as you go, make disciples. Make disciples. So be like Jesus and then help other people to find Christ and then to be like Jesus. Just close your eyes. We're going to finish in just a sec. God, we've had such an, a great time with, with you this morning. So and I just want to declare faith rising on the inside of every heart right here. That we would see the possibilities, the potential. We would see what is possible when we are partnered, walking with you, Father, in step with the Spirit supported and living in, in a community of faith. That we wouldn't be overwhelmed with the task. We'd just be filled with compassion, filled with strength, filled with faith. Thank you, mighty God. before we finish, if you, um, you you might not be walking with Jesus today, there's a few, quite a few visitors here and just because you've been going to church for a while doesn't make you a believer but there's a there's a big gap that exists between between God and mankind and Jesus bridged that gap perfectly with his death and resurrection. And he paid for our sin. He paid for the punishment for, for you and I. So that we could have relationship and purpose in God. We could have relationship with God. That's what we've been talking about a lot in the rest of the service. But you have to accept Christ by faith. You have to believe that He died for you and rose again. You have to take a step of faith and invite God into your life and accept His forgiveness and turn around and follow Him. And if you've never done that, or if you did that a long time ago, 
and you prayed a prayer to invite Jesus into your life, I want to encourage you to do that today if you're not walking with God. So if you're here today and you're like, that's totally me. I'm actually not walking in relationship with God right now. I haven't invited Jesus into my life. If that's you and you want to just say a simple prayer to invite God and to accept His offer of forgiveness for you, just lift your hand right now. Maybe you walked away and today you're coming back. It's the greatest step of your life. Amen. Awesome. So, Sarah, you have a word. I'm told that you have a word, and David Hamilton, you, apparently they're like the same word. So in the, in the, not exactly, they just go together, they dovetail really well. That's good. Come up here, come on, come on, come on, come on. That's exciting. Is it that long? We're gonna need like we're gonna need like morning tea to be served. <laughs> oh, good. Is okay. Great. You can. You, you, you may have. I'll just maybe I'll hold it. No. Just <laughs> okay. Um. Thank you. Um. Just as a lot of prophecy was flying around this morning, um, I was just reminded one to encourage us that um, prophecy is of God. Because the Bible says, um, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Yeah. Yeah. And then the Bible also says, um, believe in God and you'll be established. Believe also in the prophets. And yeah, and also just to encourage us, when we get a word, many times we don't know what to do with it. So Darren will say, um, Sarah, you will be prosperous. And then I just walk out of church and usually forget about it. But I just want to encourage us. <laughs> Um, the Bible says in Habakkuk, it says, write down the revelation and make it plain on the tablets. Yeah. Yeah. For the vision or the prophecy that has been given to you awaits an appointed time. Yeah. So you may be prosperous tomorrow or not, but the word still stands because the Bible says that the word of God never fails. So. Yeah. As it has come from the mouth of the prophet, it will definitely. By prophet, I don't mean only Darren, anyone that prophesied. So it means that it will definitely come to pass. So it awaits an appointed time, but at the end it will speak and it will not lie. Though it delays, wait for it. Because it will surely come and will not delay. So our own is to take this word that has been given to us, write it down. When the Bible says yeah. write it down, it is not necessarily write it down on paper. It also means write it down on the tablet of your heart. Think about it, wow. meditate on it. Um, let it consume you such that um, if they have declared financial prosperity over you and you're really broke, don't meditate on your brokenness. Meditate on the provision of God. Yeah, so just to encourage, because many times a lot of prophecy flies around and then you get out of church and you're still complaining, oh, life is so hard, life is so this. And yet you've been told that God is giving you rest. 
So your own is to write that word down on paper, yeah. but also in your heart. What is it that you spend your time meditating on? Do you spend your life meditating on how difficult Australia has become? Or how good God is and how true his word is? So it's yeah. just an encouragement wow. to us yeah. that we do not let all these powerful words that come over our lives go to waste such that you go out of church Sunday in, Sunday out, you're still yeah. complaining about how hard life is, and yet all these prophecies are coming down. So it's, yeah, an encouragement, and then, yeah, 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 okay, have a good week. That's great. Thank you. What do you got? This is a bit scary. Just in how much it complements everything that's been said already. Um, start of the service, I got the word focus, and it didn't leave me alone. Um, I got this verse, it's Galatians 5, verse 6. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there is no benefit in being circumcised or being uncircumcised. In other words, there's no benefit for doing something to get God's approval when you already have it. But what is important is faith expressing itself in love. I got a sense was was that when you hear a message like Darren's um, was today, there's a sense of uh, discipleship. Again, you know, all, there's, uh, for a lot of us, there's been a lot of effort poured into discipleship and reaching our families, um, and it, and can, there's that sense of burden burden about it, not the good kind, the kind of oh man, this is really overwhelming. But what I sense God was wanting to is wanting to do in people is that he actually wants that sense of religiosity about discipleship to fall by the wayside by way of right focus. That wow. Discipleship is actually more about, it requires effort, but it's got more to do with focus, right focus, and have effort, the right fruitful effort follow focus that agrees with what Jesus is saying to you, about you, what he said about you, what he said about your life, and what he's saying about those people in your world who are yet to come to Christ. Um, so I might just pray over us as a church that just our focus goes there, and what will happen is we'll actually experience a measure of fruitfulness in, in reaching people for, and raising them in Christ than we have before because our focus is in a more of a right place. Yeah. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I thank you. Lord, what is important above all things is faith expressing itself in love. Father, I thank you, Lord God, you've given us a capacity to focus on what you are saying, what you are doing, what you have done, what you have said, Lord, and for behavior to follow the right belief. That, Father, as we, the more we agree with you, the more we will see what you've planned. I just release that, Lord God. I release words, Lord God, for people that people get see what you say about the most annoying people in their life, the most difficult circumstances. I ask for a promise from the Lord, a scripture from the Lord to declare over those people that the people who are most difficult actually call to change the world. The people who are actually suffering a lot right now are actually called to make a big stance for the kingdom of God. So, Lord, would, re would you release that into our spirits? May we receive that deep, deep down. And, Lord, just agree with you so that what we do agrees with what you're doing. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Awesome. Wow. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Sarah, wherever you've gone. Awesome.
Hey, uh, that was great. Hey, what a morning. So good. Love it when, love it when God turns up and flips the script. It's great. Cool. Have a great time together. Thanks for joining us for the C3 Victory Podcast. We would love to see you at one of our services. To find out more, visit us online at c3victory.org.au or check us out on Facebook or Instagram.